Shields and Vortex Optics are giving away a Polaris Ranger XP1000 valued at $17,000. The Shields Dream Ride giveaway runs from July 26th to August 27th. Register now at shields.com slash win. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today we're going to be talking about uh, hunting and about preservation and about a pretty interesting company that people probably don't know a ton about and had some uh, had some very interesting roots. With me is uh, Brad with Coolabuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you, Thanks can you for having me on. Yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you uh, introduce yourself? Kind of just tell sure. us a little bit about yourself. Certainly. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, my name is Brad Lockwood. Um, I've been kind of the host and producer of Outdoor Edge's Love of the Hunt TV for about 20 years, but kind of formally before that, I was uh, the president of the Pennsylvania Association of Meat Processors and my degrees in meat food science from Penn State University. And I spent a lot of time there and I just saw a need, you know, really is what it's been about. You know, I mean, all my years in, in the hunting industry and my background in the meat industry, we were just uh, starting to do some of my first Western big game hunts, you know, and I, I got out there and kind of the history on it, uh, it was kind of really a Coolabuck was a company that started out of, you know, really necessity. You know, I just kind of saw a need, you know, we've got millions of hunters, literally millions of hunters that are heading out into the field to go hunting in some of the warmest and worst conditions for preservation of meat that you can mm-hmm. possibly have. You know, I think everybody knows that, you know, one of the key elements of, you know, processing meat, and we all hunt for the meat, at least I hope that's what we do. You know, I, it's nice to get a nice trophy, but that's really not what it's about. You know, it's really about, you know, putting that quality food on the table, you know, to feed our families. And, um, you know, I just saw the necessity that, man, guys are out there and a lot of cross-contamination, you know, there's not, uh, you know, sterilizers there like what we use in the meat industry, where if you drop a knife on the ground, you know, you pick it up and you wash it off into sterilizer, 180 degree water, it's nice and clean and you start mm-hmm. again. I yeah, mean, you definitely don't have that luxury <laughs> when you're on top of a mountain. Not at all. And, you know, I remember on a hunt I did in the Aleutian Island chain one time for, uh, for uh, reindeer and the guide, the outfitter that was there helped and me skin the animal out and he literally like took his knife and split the leg down and he took the knife and went whack and like stuck it in the dirt in the ground beside the animal and he's like and i looked over at him like what is this about he's like well it'll be right there i'm like yeah it will and you're gonna pull that out of the dirt and stick it right in my meat you know and i was yeah so it's like you know we do and it's just natural you know and i'm not picking at anybody or anything like that but there's some things that we can do you know, as hunters to, you know, provide a little bit of safety, you know, I mean, I know you've got a couple of young children, you know, as we mm-hmm. talked about, and you got to think about that, you know, when you slide that, you know, plate of antelope or mule deer or elk or whatever across the table to your kid.
kid. You want to know that, you know, hey, it was handled properly. It was taken care of. I'm not worried about any, you know, antimicrobial bacteria that might in there be in there growing, you know, because children obviously have a, a little bit lower immune system than what we do, you know, and you introduce some E. coli into a child's system and it can really be detrimental. I mean, it can be, you know, life threatening. So, you yeah. know, I just saw a lot of these things and I know I'm, now I'm talking life threatening. So I'm getting a little over the top here, but it really is. I mean, we can take our time and, and you know, and think about a few things. So uh, I'll tell you a little story about it, you know, where Coolabuck came from. You know, we brought the company on the market about seven years ago, I think it was. And um, yeah, I was in a, on an elk hunt in the Gila wilderness, you know, and a good friend of mine and I both drew elk tags and it was awesome. You know, we were super fired up and we knew an outfitter down there that could uh, pack us up in. So, um, you know, we kind of rented the horse type deal, you know, and he took us up in and put us where we wanted to be. And uh, man, at first thing in that evening, we walked just a little ways down from camp and we were pumping some water, you know, purifying some water. And we heard a bull bugle right out of camp as the sun was setting. Perfect elk hunt, you know, you're just like, oh, it's just what you, yeah. what you imagine. <laughs> you dream of it, you know, and the bull bugles, you know, and then we heard some other ones bugling way far off and stuff. But this bull was not that far out of camp. And we just kind of laughed and said, you know, yeah, man, you know, that's your bull in the morning. You know, I said to my friend, uh, Kurt, you know, so we went back to camp and then the next morning we get up and you know we're brewing coffee and you're waiting for that first bugle and sure enough man he he hammered again and I was like man I said we better like take a look at this bull so we just walked a couple feet out of camp you know to get away from the lanterns and just any crack you know sound or whatever and we're listening and I mean he had a little growl to his voice and I was like man I said I think you better go after that bull yeah it's not like you're wasting any time trekking yeah, three yeah. miles to get a visual on yeah exactly like literally yeah. right at your camp he's right there you know I'm like I'd go down there so my other another friend of ours Jerry that was with him went down and I took my cameraman and I'm like no I'm going a couple miles that way so I went over and man, we just, it was just on fire that morning, you know, uh, I, I went over and, and had a really nice bull come in. I call him a six by seven, but it, you know, it's a Pennsylvania six by seven. Cause I'm from PA and any sticker, we measure it. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, I'm so, like, so if you're talking stickers, you got this bull. Huh? Yeah, I got him. Yeah. So I got over there and he was in a fight with a bigger bull and it was just an awesome morning. And, and, um, so is this with archery? Bow. Yes. Yeah, nice. The bow. And yeah, we, it was just incredible. He bedded down and, um, we were just sitting there watching him. Like I can't get any, closer to him there's cows between me and him and a lot of times you know and I'm, maybe we're getting into a little bit of hunting topic now but uh, a hey, lot this of, is the shields outdoors podcast we talk, we talk about all the time i love talking so about hunting. We, that is yeah. totally on the table. prime stuff so well if you get into a bull like that um and i've experienced this many times i've hunted elk a lot now you know throughout new mexico and montana and colorado and everywhere in between utah and um a lot of times you know if you can get a bull bedded like that he'll get up and check his cows you know mm -hmm. bull won't stay bedded very long you know at least in my experience so he had cows right there so we actually just laid down on our backpacks and i could see him he wasn't but you know 100 yards away from me i could see him laying there really good bull and I was looking at him through the binos and I actually just kind of opened up a little mountain bar and I was sitting there chewing on it, you know, and all of a sudden we heard limbs breaking and trees cracking. And I looked up and here had come a smaller bull and came running up and he jumped up and man, they were running around fighting, cracking, cameraman gets up and I'm like, now's the time to move. Let's go, let's go. He's distracted. So we started sliding down, getting closer and closer and closer. And uh, the bull that got whipped actually came walking right up to me. And I looked at him and I said, ah, oh, he's the 
loser, but he's a big loser to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a good bull right around 340. So I'm this, I'm, I can't let that walk, you know? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Especially he, with archery. Yeah. And that's a, and he that's walked a up. Bull. Yeah. And he's panting, you know, like he's, you know, and he has no clue on there. And I'm just like, man, I can't let this go. And he was like 18 yards. I just drew back and shot him. And he didn't even know what happened. He ran like a few feet and stopped. And I mean, I always knock up again, you know I mean? Yeah. I hit him. He ran a few feet, stopped. I knocked up again, looked back. The cameraman's still filming. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shit hit him again. Mm-hmm. I drew back and shot him again. And he literally ran over and dropped like five feet from our backpacks. So it was perfect. Absolutely perfect morning. That's Great awesome. Hunt. And you yeah. know what? Like anybody that's on the fence about elk hunting have mm. never tried it. Like oh, get out there and do no it. Doubt. Like, I, I mean, I've been out a couple of times, Yeah, but it is so fun and it's so different. No doubt. Know? Especially yep. from like, you know, if you're used to sitting in a deer stand forever, yep. you know, yep. like waiting for them, like, don't get me wrong. Absolutely love deer hunting. You too, bet. Just in a different mm-hmm. way, but like getting out and, and going to new places, trying new things and, and the ability to, to be vocal with such a large yep. animal, exactly. like it is so fun yep so yep. fun and i tell and i don't know if there's a lot of turkeys here in this area or not oh you know? absolutely yeah oh don't even get me started all right yeah man <laughs> i i am a turkey hunting nut from pennsylvania and absolutely love it cut my teeth on spring gobblers and you know i tell everybody so if you're nervous about it and you're like man i just don't know about elk hunting it is 100 percent turkey hunting on steroids yep. uh, but they can smell i mean that's mm-hmm. it and i tell everybody you know if, if if they react i mean if you've got a herd bull he's exactly the same as a gobbler that's end up you're not going to call him away from his cows very seldom you're going to have yep. to get in there you know get within range let him work let him get to you you know it's like turkey hunting mm-hmm. you know you it's get definitely a, a cat and mouse yeah. game. and you're right about that like you're not going to pull that bird bull or bird from, yeah or or bird yeah away from or away from that herd yeah like, yeah you either gotta wait them out or you gotta figure out a way to bring the females see exactly yeah or get out in front of them figure out which way is going i mean we do that a lot with turkeys back home you know if we strike a gobbler and he's hammering in the field you know now we're getting into a turkey <laughs> i love this stuff yeah. i could talk hunting all like day like i said it's okay yeah it's the yeah. shields outdoors podcast. i love it yeah Maybe we all talk hunting. Is fair game man. it's good stuff but you know we work that bird down the field and you're like oh man he's going away from us let's drop down get over in the other edge and let him come to us, you know, because we're not going to call him away from the hens. And uh, elk hunting's the same, you know what I mean? It's basically the same type stuff. So I've, I've just, I fell in love with it, you know, when we mm-hmm. started hunting. But I dropped this bull, and I mean, I'm super excited. And you know, we talked last night. I was actually here to speak about game processing with uh, the Shields Associates. And, um, you know, I gave and given that mention, you know, that uh, the USDA kind of gives you 45 minutes of time, you know, to get the internal organs out of that animal and get the hide off of them and get them into proper refrigeration. And, you know, I know everybody at home's listening right now going 45 minutes. Are you kidding me? You know, that's an unrealistic period of time, you know, for a hunter to get the job done. But that's kind of where they they set that, like, you know, kind of urging you, you know, like mm-hmm. get get the animal taken care of, get it in refrigeration before bacterial growth starts to occur. So I went over there immediately, got the got the internal organs out of this animal. I didn't have any pack frames. I didn't have, you know, much with me for game bags. Anything was just me and the cameraman. I'm like, you know, let's just boogie back to camp. It's a couple miles. We'll get back to camp. We'll grab, you know, game bags, gear, knives, back frames, and and get the guys like, woohoo, you know, we got a bull, man, first morning, you know, I'm tagged out. 
And uh, yeah, we got back to camp and, and I look on the ground, there's nobody around and you know, on the ground at camp, there's a, there's a paper plate laying there and there's a GPS in the middle of the paper plate. And it says on the paper plate, follow GPS to big bull down. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and I look, I'm like, they're joking with me. And I go over and we had this, uh, like a case there, plastic hard side tote. It was filled with game bags and knives and stuff. And I go over and I open it up and I'm like, they're not kidding, man. There's bags missing, there's knives missing, there's pack frames missing they're getting a bull so i pick up the gps and i plunge it in and half a mile from camp i'm like are you kidding me you walked a half a mile so you guys knocked down two bulls two bulls same half morning. mile from camp. yeah he got his a half mile i was a couple miles away so but i go walking down there and it gets better yet his bull scored 372 Ooh, it was a monster a oh yeah the bases were just like big as snuff cans just gigantic mass and so so that awesome uh, that gps to bull like yeah you still got those coordinates you share those? <laughs> yeah, yeah we can share them out here everybody at home listen up it's yeah. right over here past there and you're there but, yeah but yeah you go, you go over stuff. two rises you've gone too far yeah you're, you're a little too far for it you know the gila wilderness is 1.7 million acres so you'll figure it out somehow but but no it's uh it was it was a great trip and i got down there we're like I, and I was going to do this joke, you know, as I was walking back to camp, I washed my arms up in this creek, you know, get all the blood off. And I'm like, oh, we'll go back and we'll show him the video and we'll tell him I passed the bull up because the bull like stood there forever as he's walking up. And I'm looking at the cameraman. He's going, are you going to shoot him? I'm like, I don't know, man, that other bull is a giant, but this guy's nice. He's the biggest bull I've ever killed, you know, and he's mm -hmm. walking up and the other one's like down there, like 200 yards away. He's still got all the cows with him. I'm like, this is a lone bull. He has no clue I'm here. He's gonna walk up and stand there brother. and we're like carrying on a dialogue me and the cameraman i'm like he's like you're gonna shoot him i'm like oh man he's nice and he comes up and we turn broadside i'm like yep but he's getting yep. it you know one of those ones like you don't pass yeah. up one on the first day that Need you on the shoot table. the last oh and, yeah you know and he's a great I've bull been, i've been victim to like had one that's like on the cusp of i want to shoot like i would have been happy with it but the real big one is coming yeah. right behind him and then just oh the, yeah it always something always goes south yep yeah but yeah you get lucky sometimes but hey i was super happy you know um i shot the bull but we washed up and i thought well you know we'll show this video to everybody back at camp that was our original plan mm -hmm. and everybody like you passed that bull up you're crazy and then they'll see the shot you know be like oh you got him you know so it's a joke all laid out like we do around camp you know and but i get down there and he's got this whopper bull and i'm like i don't even want to show him my video but, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm like no let's do it so he's like did you see anything did you see anything i'm like yeah you know so i'm like check this out you know and, and then he sees it and now we're high five black stem bulls you know in the back of my mind though my head's spinning going man we got a lot of work to do yeah. we got a lot of work to do yeah, yeah. the work just begins once yeah. one of those go down yep and it's so warm there you know in new mexico and anymore you know in those early bow seasons i mean it can hit 80 degrees i don't care where you're at you yeah know? I mean, just I'm, about everywhere i mean yeah. you know north dakota we're if you go north you hit canada yeah but you know like if you're you know like i i love going out to the badlands early yeah. season for mule deer and 
Got to get the beginning warm there. of September. It's hot. I mean, we've hunted in seventies, eighties. Yep, yep. You know, got to be warm. You have to be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. So that's a. You know, like I said, I, I've always you know told people that you know where'd Coolabuck come from? It really was a company that was formed out of necessity, and and I don't mean this to be rude or anything to anybody or any company out there or whatever, but it's a lot of me too type stuff. You know what I mean? I got this, mm-hmm. and you got you know, and I got something very similar to it. But Coolabuck, man, I just saw this and was like, you know, guys gotta have this. You have to have this. So, and the reason I realized that was, you know, we got this bull down, so we had a sat phone with us, you know, so we call call the Packers, you know, and they just dropped us off the, the day before. And they're like, hey, yeah, we'll get back over there and get you guys. Um, but man, we can't get two bulls out. I mean, we, we don't, we, we don't, we weren't planning on this. We don't have enough horses here at head trailhead to get this. It's like, but we'll come in and get one, you know, is the other one boned out yet? I'm like, no, I, it's like two miles that way, you know, I'm like, oh, we can get this one done. And, and it was a mutually agreed upon thing with everybody. It's like, okay, let's get this bull boned out. We're already started on it. They were already started on it because they're already a half a mile from camp, yeah. you know, so they're already got it rolling. So I help them, we get it all boned out and stuff like that, you know, which kind of brings me to another topic that I'll just touch on real quick is, um, you know, like when you're in those warm weather conditions like that, you know, I always get the bone out of the animal. People ask me that, you know, and I always tell them, you know, that the meat is going to be the densest down closest to the bone. That's how you're designed, how I'm designed, how wild game animals are designed. You know, it's just like that meat is so dense and strong when you get down in next to the bone to support the bone. That's why we don't break bones that often, you know, because that's where that dense muscle's at. So that's also where it holds all the heat. You know, and I encourage guys all the time. I'm like, man, if it's anything above 40, 45 degrees, get the bones out of there. Because Mm -hmm. in our industry, in the meat industry, we have a term that's called bone sour. And what it tells me is like, if I buy hams or whatever it is, you know, that comes in from another packer somewhere and, you know, we get to bone them out and I get in there and I can smell that off tainted smell down in next to the bone if I'm deboning it. I know that that packer didn't get that animal cooled down quick enough. He didn't get it down to temperature quick enough and it held that heat in there next to the bone and we call it bone sour. But you know, you got the marrow in the bone, just everything in there holding heat. So I encourage guys all the time, you know, and and I know maybe that could be a bit of an exaggeration, but I like, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty proficient with a knife. So mm-hmm. anything above 40 degrees, and I want to preserve the meat for my family. I get the bone out of there, you know, right away. And, and in that circumstance, the day I'm talking about, it was 70, you know, I mean, yeah. it's warm in there. Yeah. When you yeah. got 70 degree temperatures oh. and then the bones with all yep. that heat too, like you got to, the yep. clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Yeah. You got to get the bones out of there. So we yanked all the bones out of there. And another thing that I tell guys about all the time is don't, don't put your game bag to the test. You know, you can put Coolabuck game bags to the test if you want. They're strong, they're durable, you know, but I'm, I wouldn't caution you about that. I mean, yeah, they'll hold 200 pounds of meat. That's not a problem, but can you get the body heat out of that? When you pack mm-hmm. that much boneless meat into a bag and you're there packing it down and now you stick it in a backpack and you're carrying that out of the woods, I mean, all that heat is in there. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got to get that body heat yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, so. if you got a group of guys disperse the weight, it'll yeah. stay cooler, you know. Exactly. You, 
you don't have to act all bodybuilder and be like, I threw the whole thing on my yep. back. Like, yeah, work smarter, not harder. Exactly. Yeah. And pack it into smaller bags on the hotter the day, make those bags smaller because that's going to let that body heat dissipate so much faster. So we did everything right. You know, we got my buddy Kurt's bull all boned out and, um, you know, we got it all into the, into the game bags and the Packers came up in and, you know, they loaded up his meat and they got it out of there. And we all took off hiking over to my bull. And he said, I'll be back in first thing in the morning. He said, I mean, I'll be here at the crack of daylight. He's like, we'll leave in the dark and we'll get here. So mm-hmm. we went over, did the same thing with my bull, boned the whole thing out, you know, got it all caped, skull caped it around the eyes, everything, got everything cleaned up and uh, small bags, hung it in the trees, you know, to keep it away from the coyotes and the bears and everything like that. Uh, but I don't think, I would be surprised if the temperature dropped below 60 that night. You know, it was just so warm mm-hmm. and I was worried about it. I knew that it wasn't good, you know, uh, it wasn't good to be out in those kind of temperatures. Yeah, those kind of conditions are just basically like a Petri dish for bacteria. Exactly. Yep. It's just growing like crazy. So they came in, got the meat and, um, and they were like, Hey, you know, we'll take it down, drop it at the trucks and come back. And I said, no, I said, just leave us here, you know, take it straight to the processor, get it in the cooler, you know, and then, you know, come back and get us tomorrow. You know, we've only been in here two nights. We'll just set up here and look at the stars and listen to the bulls bugle in the middle of night and enjoy ourselves you know uh and just chill out by the campfire don't worry about us just get the meat to the processor and get it into a cooler so uh that's what they did the next day they came in uh, we broke down camp and headed back and uh sure enough you know i I, my flight wasn't going out for another few days uh because we're planning like eight day trip you know and the Mm -hmm. next thing you know you're tagged out on the first day i think many of us have been there in that situation but you know i got back and and um it was a couple days later we were just doing some sightseeing around Socorro and magdalena and truth or consequences picking up some souvenirs and whatnot and my phone rings and it's the processor he's like man he goes you better come take a look at this he goes something doesn't look right you know and i got down there and it just i was sick to my stomach you know we just got the meat out laid it out on his cutting block you know we took the game bags off and started looking at it and it was already getting off condition on the outside of it It was already getting like a little bit of a sour smell to it and i was like man we got to skin all of it so we sat there and skinned all this meat off the outside i'll bet you we we threw away well over 100 pounds of meat just threw it in the garbage can it's just depressing oh man you spend all that time planning and strategizing have your success and expect all this meat for the table yeah yeah and it's just the the animal too you know i i watch that video of that big beautiful bull walking up there and think man i lost i lost i wasted you know what i mean i just literally wasted that meat because i couldn't get it off the mountain in time i couldn't get it out of here and now that we've started kula buck you know i've just had so many awesome stories and i love sharing them so if anybody's listening or watching and you know and you've had great experience with our bags you know just call on the phone i love to hear those stories and we love to share them on Mm -hmm. our facebook pages and everything like that of guys that have had success stories you know with the bags and you know guys on moose hunts that get snow you know um, fogged in you know, we've had great stories of that, you know, like, man, I was fogged in for two days. If it wasn't for those bags, I would have lost, you know, I would have lost my meat, man. So thank yeah. you. So. so for, for those that don't know exactly what your Kula Buck game bags sure. are, can you kind of break down like the science behind it and, yeah. and how actually how you were capable of developing them too? Yeah. 
Yeah, no problem. Well, I mentioned an earlier, you know, I spent a lot of time at Penn State at the, at the meat food science lab there. And, um, you know, I, so I just went back to our professors there and I just said, listen, man, you know, this is what we do as hunters. There's got to be a better way uh, to share a little bit of what happened there. And, and maybe many of you possibly have been there is like when you let an animal, I spoke about that 45 minute time frame earlier that you want to get that animal into proper refrigeration as quickly as possible. You know, uh, basically what happens is when you let that animal hang out there in that warm weather, bacteria is multiplying on the surface like crazy. And bacteria always begins on the surface and works its way in. It's like a piece of lunch meat, right? We pick mm -hmm. up a piece and you feel that slime on the outside, right? Well, you know, we, we just throw it away. But, you know, it, it starts penetrating and working its way in. Bacteria will work its way in. It starts on the surface and works its way in. So, uh, you know, you want to reduce that bacterial growth on the surface as quickly as you possibly can because once it multiplies and you've got like five billion bacteria per square inch on the outside of that carcass even though you get it into the walking cooler you get it on dry ice or whatever the damage is already done i mean mm -hmm. that animal it's hung, still there it's still there yeah it's not going anywhere you know you didn't get rid of it you may have slowed it down from growing now but it still had a chance to multiply like crazy so we went to penn state and sat down with some of the professors there and and in our past you know, we always worked with, uh, you know, cattle carcass sprays where we would wash cattle carcasses down with antimicrobial inhibitors to prevent the growth of E. coli, salmonella, listeria, and other foodborne pathogens. So we would use a cattle carcass spray to wash that carcass down. And so we basically just sat down and we worked with them and, and we came up with a formula. And when we first started showing it to our professors there, they were like, are you kidding me? They're like, you guys go out and hunt like that and you come back and you eat that <laughs> you know us, us hunters are definitely a different breed we, we, are. we really are like if you do it you understand exactly but, um yeah we're yeah. we're a little bit yeah a little bit off kilter yeah we you know in, in the best possible it's way good though. That's right. It's good. We take it right back to nature, you know, the real way it used yep, to be. Kind of that primal so, instinct. Yeah, yeah. You know? Knowing that meat doesn't come in a package and milk doesn't come in a jug, right? You know, so it's good stuff. But, you know, you still want to be as careful as you can possibly be. So when I went back, I said, you know, there's millions of hunters going in the woods every year and they're hunting elk, they're hunting mule deer, they're hunting antelope, and they're hunting in these really warm conditions. And I know they're not going to get that animal into proper refrigeration quick enough. So we developed a formula. We permeated it into the material of the game bag. So when you slide it over the game bag, you know, the bag actually makes contact with the surface and it transfers that antimicrobial solution onto the surface of the carcass. And we spent a lot of time with a certified laboratory that we used to do a lot of our antimicrobial testing when I was in the meat industry. Uh, we work with that laboratory to do all of our testing and, you know, just improve the bags and make them as good as we could be. And the testing took a couple of years till we really got them on the market, mm -hmm. you know, through multiple testing and different formulas and different blends. So, uh, yeah, we finally came up with a patent formula on it and we can reduce the growth of surface bacteria by about eight to 10 times the amount of a normal cotton game bag. That is impressive. Yeah. And, in, and like, how much time is that going to save you or like oh. extra time? You know, you talk about your 45 minute window. What do, what does that turn into with one of your game yeah. bags? Eight, eight to 10 times, you eight know, to eight ten to time. 10 times longer period of time. You and know, that's the, awesome. And yep. then is there, do you have to have any worries about like ingesting that stuff that's on your bags? Or is, is it like dangerous to us at all? Obviously it no. is to like your bacteria, but. Yep. 
Yeah. No, it's it's all made from, um, you know, just natural derivatives from fruits and milks and things like that. So, yeah, just the same things that we've used in the commercial meat industry for years and years and years, you know. Okay. So and I just said, you know what, but nobody ever like really got it, got it in a feasible way. You know, we also have it in a can of spray, too, you know, just mm -hmm. the straight solution and a spray that they can take and just treat right on the outside of the carcass and spray that on if they've got like old pillowcase bags or whatever, or, or people can reuse our bags, you know, that that was the second thing that we needed to do is we needed to build a better bag. You know, most of the bags on the market, you know, whenever you would stretch them, you could still see holes through them, you know, yeah. you could see, you know, places where, you know, they weren't contacting the meat. So in order for the antimicrobial solution to transfer to the meat it had to touch everywhere so we basically came out with a cotton bag and then we kind of laced it with a spandex so it really just grips tight to that carcass and just transfers it everywhere so a lot of guys are like man these bags are so good i'm just gonna wash it can i retreat it so i'm like wow yeah so we came out with the spray that they can actually use the spray and they can treat it right back on the bag and then most everybody has a vacuum sealer so mm -hmm. they can vacuum seal it themselves you know and that's one of the keys with our bags is we need to seal it because because the antimicrobial solution is a liquid. So, you know, if it evaporates out into the air, you know, it loses its, you know, potency, so to speak. So, yep, yep, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. uh, I'm curious about how the flies like it, you know, like, cause oh, you wow. have an, you have an elk down and like, by the time you get to them, like it's, it's a homing beacon for flies. Yeah. Like, you know, you're usually like swatting away and stuff. It's terrible, isn't skinning, it? And then like you get your stuff in your game bags and they're still like, Oh, I want to get at that stuff. Like how yeah. do they react to this? Yeah. The great thing about it. And, and this maybe guys get more attracted to this than anything. You know, we had a, we had a video that we ran at end caps at some of the shield stores in the past and it was called a fly test video. And they can see that online on our YouTube channel. You know, it's just called cool buck fly test. And you can see, you know, we have two pieces of meat set side by side, you know, one in a non-treated bag and one in the treated bag, and there's not a single fly on the treated bag. It's incredible because the flies just really because of the low pH level of the bag, flies are attracted to things with a high pH. The higher the pH level goes, the more the flies come to it, the more eggs they lay, the more flies come. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just kind of a compounding effect, just like bacteria. You know, the more bacteria start to grow, they just continue to multiply and multiply. Well, flies are the same way and they just come to that, they'll come there and just continue laying eggs. But with our bags, the pH level's so low, it's almost like they just, it basically masks it so they don't really have any uh, sense that there's a reason to lay eggs there. They can't perpetuate the species, so why would I lay eggs there, you know? And yeah. Yeah, there's just, it's got such a low pH level that the flies don't sense it, so it's, okay. it's amazing. Meat so, bees too, so the meat bees don't bother it, and yeah, nice. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, question I have with the low pH level, so like people are out there hunting, you know, going through the brush, all that stuff, yeah. you know, like, you get cuts on your hands and stuff oh, yeah. a lot. Like, is is do you have to worry about that pH with when you're handling these bags? No, it'll actually, uh, actually, you know, if you've got a little cut on your hand, it'll sting a little bit. You know, I mean, it'll sting. You know, like it's almost like squirting like a lemon juice or lime juice or something like that into your hand. But it's kind of like the pure concentrate, you know, that we mm -hmm. use that's uh, extracted from those uh, different fruits and stuff. So it's a really low pH level, but it'll sting. But it's it's nothing that's gonna you know make you jump out of your skin or anything. But I would say 
say it'd be almost like almost a preservative kind of basically, you know, you get that on there, you know, okay. it's going to kind of start healing quicker. <laughs> <laughs> there you so go. yeah, keep the bacteria out of your cut, so to speak. But you know, it, it just really is, you know, guys are going to be going out there. They're going to be hunting in these warm weather conditions and you want to buy yourself as big a window of opportunity as you can to get that animal off the mountain and get it into proper refrigeration before that bacteria gets out of hand. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. use a game bag anyway, so why not use one that has some real science yep, behind exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like, to be honest with you, I really hadn't heard a lot about Kula Buck before I found right. out, like, okay, they're coming to university for this training. It's like, so then I go to your website and it's like, oh, that's a great concept. And, you know, that's something people really need to know about right now. Because, yeah. like, everyone is preparing for their for their early season hunts if you got an elk tag congratulations i'm yeah. super jealous <laughs> me but, too um, me too this you know year. get out there have fun and yeah. um you know be thinking about how you're going to get that animal off the mountain because you're going to work hard you're going to be successful and then you want to make sure to preserve all that stuff yeah. you um, want to get it all back all yes. back yeah but yeah. then so for people that do know about kula buck i think mm -hmm. i'm going to address the elephant in the room a little bit because yeah, yeah. you have uh you you've developed a pretty cool refrigeration <laughs> system yeah. so you know we've yeah. uh, we haven't been able to get this in shields yet right but um you know maybe we can work out some sort of drop shit thing down the road you maybe. know once at once inventory levels kind of calm down and things right. like that but can you just tell us a little bit about what you have going on there yeah yeah it's just kind of an extension about what we've been kind of talking about here you know it's just guys having a proper way to refrigerate that animal now so uh, we developed the first ever portable walking cooler system so uh, you know hunters have for years have battled on how to get that animal cooled down you know so having a portable walking cooler system just makes it so nice you know I mean our unit will set up and tear down and in under 10 minutes you can load them in the back of an atv take them right up in the mountain run them on a you know any you know 110 volt uh honda power source or whatever you know whatever kind of uh, uh generator mm -hmm. that you have up there you can run them off a generator uh, they just plug into 110 um like i said they're all aluminum construction so and then you know some guys will you know make the venture and and get an actual big walking cooler but then it's there you know what i mean you yeah. can't loan it out to friends and people will be surprised every, every hunter i think that's ever bought one off of me is like man you know i and you know gonna cool my deer and i'm like forget that you know you will use this thing more for graduation parties yep. birthday parties fourth of july memorial day labor day anytime you need more storage you know because you never have enough room in your refrigerator when you're having a party 100 percent. yeah yes, well it's, it's just yeah it it's, happens everywhere like yep. i never have enough freezer room i yep. just don't like yeah and you can my just my wife will hit up costco and she'll get 30 pounds of hamburger and it's like oh i've been working on getting some freezer room and now it's gone yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so we, we have people that use them and they'll plug them in and just leave them there you know kind of all year round, you know, and, and run them that way. But uh, no, it, it's so nice. You have that portability factor that you can take it anywhere you want. Uh, the Coolabuck Junior holds, you know, two to three deer. The Pro Unit will hold four deer pretty easy. You know, uh, you, we've hung, you know, an entire Newfoundland moose 
in you know the pro units we've got guys that buy them for um doing grass-fed beef uh you know so they'll buy them for pig operations i mean you name it you know it's just it's just so nice and in that portability factor of it what's really makes the unit unique too is the way that it breathes it actually it's a serpentine cooling system so it actually sucks the cold air in at floor level mm -hmm. so it pulls it in at floor level and it blows it up an air baffle in the back and across the ceiling so of course we know hot air rises yeah. so that pushes that warm air down and then sucks it back in so we're able to you know circulate that air in a very small space you know so you don't have a you know big walk-in coolers are dependent upon cubic square foot of cold storage space you know with our unit you know you're able to cool down an animal in a very small space so and uh, yeah. yeah 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 that's it's some, awesome that's some really cool stuff so yeah you know we've given some great tips on on helping people talked uh, about hunting too yeah talked about <laughs> hunting too i uh i'd like to hear one more hunting story from you sure you got one you got your favorite hunting sure. story my favorite hunting story wow okay Man, that's a, that's a tough one. I would have to say my favorite hunting story would probably revolve around my dad. You know, my dad goes hunting with me. You know, he's 74 years old now, and um, he's the man that took me, you know, and spent my whole life hunting with him, you know, and now it's just, uh, it's just awesome to bring that full circle. And uh, he and I have been, uh, we have a lease in Kansas that we always hunt on, and it's kind of a family affair. You know, I go out, my son, uh, my dad, uh, now my, this year my son-in-law is going to get to go out along with us and, and join in on that. Now that he married into the family, he wasn't married in yet, so he was kind of like looking at me like, do I get to go hunting? It's like, no, <laughs> no. When the ring is on the finger, then you're officially part of the So, no, I just pick on my son-in-law there a little bit. But, no, so he drew a tag this year, but, uh, man, just going out there and hunting with my dad you know and probably one of my funnest stories of my dad wasn't even a it wasn't even a harvest it was just a a time we were sitting in a tree together and these deer come in and I mean it was like these does just come out of everywhere they were like pouring into this little funnel area that we have that goes down a power line and and they were just every all around us and I said to my dad I'm like all right dad you know you keep an eye on these does in front of me and I'll watch these ones behind us. We don't want to spook anything. You know, we need to let them get out of here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm watching these ones behind me. And my dad, like I said, he's 74 years old now. My dad turns around. And he goes, We're sitting there just being still quiet. I'm like, man, they're, you know, we got to let them get through here. And uh, my dad all of a sudden, just about as loud as we're talking, he goes, hey, Brad, how about this buck? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> dad, you know, all the does are like looking up, looking around. And I look out in the middle of the power line and there is a stud. I'm talking 180 class whitetail standing in the middle of the power line. Now his head goes up because the does are all like, oh, you know. No. <laughs> and, yeah, and then dad's like looking around like, he goes, what about this buck? I'm like, why are you even asking? Shoot him. I'm like, he's a yeah. giant. You oh, buck that size. You don't need to look for approval, just man. Classic. Just pull the trigger. Yeah. So the, so the, we can't get him, you know, deer is spooking. He gets edgy, you know, dad's still got to get his bow. He doesn't even pick his bow up. You know, he's just, what about this buck? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, shoot him. So the buck, you know, I knew there was going to be a buck coming here. Peak of the rut. You got all these does around you. There's yeah, got to be a buck here somewhere. Time, man. So that buck runs off, you know, and I'm filming for my dad, you you know, we're producing Love of the Hunt TV. And I turned the camera down and I look at him. I said, Dad, I said, where'd he come from? He looks up with this blank look. He goes, 
I don't know. I'm like, he's standing right in the middle of a power line. How do you not know where he came from? But you know, I think probably my funnest stories right now are just hunting with him and just having so much fun with him, you know, uh, coming back out of the same Kansas type story, you know, it might even been on the same trip, you know, walking back to the truck, you know, and I go over and I got, you know, tree arm, camera, his bow, half of our gear. And I go over and I climb over this barbed wire fence and go up to the truck, you know, and I load my gear in the truck and all of a sudden I hear, Wah! and I hear the fence go and I turn around, look, and there's my dad upside down, pant leg caught in the fence, laying <laughs> on his back. I go running down over the bank. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, get his leg unwrapped from the fence. Like it's like hunting with my kids all over again. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's awesome. And him just him just ragging on me, you know, going like, well, I remember what it was like hunting with you too, you know, and uh, just loving my pops man right now. So I'd say that's probably my funnest hunting stories is mm-hmm. just spending time with him right now. Yeah, so. that's, I mean, that's a great thing about yeah, hunting, being family. outdoors, spend it with your family. Exactly. some memories. Yeah, taking the kids hunting, you know, my little daughter, you know, I mean, when she was little, you know, um, just catching them bluegills, man, you know, you take them out, everybody wants mm-hmm. their kid to catch a giant bass. But, you know, I remember my daughter running around the pond, you know, and my buddy Rob and I are fishing with these big plugs, you know, we're launching them out in the middle of this big old farmer's pond because there's big old bass in there. We're catching nothing. My daughter doesn't even have a bait on her hook. She's just over there yanking these bluegies out one after the next. These sunfish, big panfish, you know, she's yanking them out. She goes, Dad, how many fish did you catch? I'm like, <laughs> none. Not as many she, as you. Like, none. She goes, Rob, how many did you catch? My buddy Rob's like, none. She throws her hand over. She goes, ask me how many I caught. Like, <laughs> how many did you catch? She goes, mm, a thousand. You know? <laughs> it's like, so, yeah, just, man, it's it's family, you know. It's just spending time with them and, and being out there, man. That's what the, that's what it's all about. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Got it. So, um, you know, for those interested in the, in the Kula Buck bags, we're going to link those in the, in the description of this podcast. So go to any shields store, go to any shields. You can, yeah, just head to your local shields. You can talk to you all about it. You know, if you need anything else for your, for your upcoming, coming adventures. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. You bet. All right. Sounds great. Well, thanks a lot for having Perfect. me. Perfect. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed this segment. Um, you know, if you're not subscribed to this podcast already, make sure to hit that uh, hit that follow button on the listening platform of your choice. And uh, with that, we just want to thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.